Well, uh, hello, church. I am super excited to join you on your screens today. I'm excited to continue on in this summer series. Uh, it's been great going through this series, Stories Around the Campfire. Uh, it's a great summer theme. But also, I've been reading my grandpa's uh, Bible in my devotional time, and uh, he was a longtime Baptist pastor. His understanding of Scripture was something that I personally aspire to. His Bible was marked from one side of the page to the other with lines all always marked with a ruler, uh, marking one piece of scripture to the other, two pieces passages that I have no idea related to one another. And I think there's something really beautiful about discovering scripture in a new way all the time. For us to focus on stories around a theme like fire is a great way for us to see a thread run through the word of God. Now, my father-in-law preached last week, Pastor Len, uh, and he alluded to the fact that uh, they've thrown the youth pastor a softball this week with my story about fire today. We're going to be digging into Moses and the burning bush, probably the most famous fire story in the Bible. Now, it might seem like a softball, uh, but I've actually been challenged because I want to get into this story in a way that is challenging and convicting, and I hope to do that today. Now, uh, something about myself, I grew up attending a camp on Vancouver Island called Camp Imidine, and this place spared no expense when it came to their activities. Every year they had a dramatic theme, uh, and the theme had games and activities all associated with it, and I remember distinctly one year the theme was secret agents and spies. Now, something most people don't know about me uh, is that I am a total wimp. Like, I am a wuss. And Imidine had all kinds of these activities that were not for the faint of heart. Uh, BMXing, tubing, uh, rock climbing. This place was filled with crazy stuff. And the thing that scared little middle school Noah the most was the rope swing called the Zunga. And this secret agent-themed year, we were all supposed to come up with our own secret agent names. And as I stood there shaking, uh, as it was my turn to go on the Zunga rope, and they've counted down from three, uh, four or five times, I finally say, I can't do it. I got to see the nurse. My tummy hurts. And my friend standing next to me looks at me and he says, I think your secret agent name should be Agent Hesitation. And thus, this nickname that I have never lived down, Agent Hesitation, was born. My mother still calls me this, and now my wife has started calling me Agent Hesitation. Uh, I, I was uh, excellent at giving excuses. Rope swing, stomach ache. Uh, if I was wakeboarding, I, my knees are sore. The BMX track, I think I'll just watch. But often we do this with God. Often we know what we need to do. We know what he's called us to do, but we make excuses. And that's where I want to get today. I want us to understand that God has something truly incredible for each of us, but so often we make excuses keeping us from the fullness of life that the Spirit intends for us. I want us to ask ourselves this question today. What excuses am I making that are keeping me from what God has for me? Now, as we get into this Sunday school favorite today, uh, many of us are very familiar with the story, but I want to refresh us with Moses' beginnings. Moses was born into an Israelite family, and at this time, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Egyptians. The Egyptians attempted to crush the Jewish people with hard labor as slaves, but this just made the Jewish people stronger. The nation grew and spread, and the Egyptians panicked, so they decided to kill all the baby boys to prevent the nation of Israel from becoming too powerful. And that's where we find Moses. 
His parents, in an effort to save him from the hand of the Egyptians, sent him down the Nile River in a basket with a heart of faith, trusting that God would keep him safe. Well, that's what happened. Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the river and took young Moses as her own. Moses becomes adopted into this royal Egyptian family and becomes Pharaoh's adopted grandson and grows up in the royal home. Well, when Moses was older, he went in to see his people, the Israelites, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Jewish slave. And it caused him so much anger that he lashed out and he killed the Egyptian slave driver. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he threatened to kill Moses. And out of fear, Moses fled out of Egypt and settled and made a family. And for decades, he lived a more humble life, becoming a shepherd. And this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to be reading New Living Translation this morning. So you'll see the words on your screen. I'm going to go ahead and read. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. <clears throat> he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush, Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Now, Moses was amazed by the burning bush, uh, not the, the bush itself being burning, because brush fires would have been quite common. Like Moses, as he wandered the hillside, would have seen little fires here and there but his attention was drawn to the bush because it wasn't burning up. It was on fire, but wasn't being consumed. Now it's interesting how miracles always get our attention. He approached this bush with a posture of awe and wonder. And oftentimes also, we want to look at this, oftentimes the presence of God is seen as fire. Uh, we're going to be talking about the pillar, pillar of fire in Exodus 13, 21, or uh, in Acts chapter 2, the tongues of fire represent the spirit falling on his people. And with his presence comes miraculous things, because we talk about the fire being his presence, and coming with his presence are miracles. And maybe this is an illustration for some of you today. Often God gets our attention with a miracle. He appears to us or he speaks audibly or some of us have experienced healing. Maybe you're someone whose attention was captured by a miracle. Miracles get our attention, but it's not the only thing that we are left to do is just enjoy the miracle. It's our response to the miracles that are just as important. We need to remember this question that we're asking ourselves today. What excuses am I making that are keeping me from what God has for me? When we find ourselves in awe of the work that God has done, let's not settle on mere observance. Let's use that awesome moment to spur us on for greater things rather than make excuses. When we see miracles, let's tell others of the God who does them. When we see miracles, let's be inspired to dig deeper into relationship with Christ. Amen? Let's keep reading uh, in verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Now let's, let's pause here for a second. I was, I was puzzled with this for a little bit because I, I wanted to know what made this specific mountainside place holy. The Lord speaks from the bush telling Moses to remove his shoes because they're on holy ground. But 
that area on the mountain was not any more special than somewhere else on Mount Sinai. It was because the Spirit of God was there that made that place holy. The presence of the Spirit makes all ground holy. This place I'm sitting here, where you're watching today, that place is made holy because of the presence of the Spirit. And the Spirit exists everywhere. We know that He is ever-present and all-knowing. Think about it this way. The high school gymnasium that our Aldergrove campus meets in. The bedroom of your children where they open their action comic book Bibles. The workplace where you get to share the love of Christ to your coworkers or the underground church in a restricted access nation that outlaws the word of God. What would it look like for you to think of moments when you seek his presence as holy ground? Maybe it's time we need to start thinking of the moments we spend in prayer or when you meditate on scripture as holy ground because his presence is holy ground and it's an honor for us to enter in. I think this should change the way we think the way we walk and talk and interact with people, we might need to say to ourselves, should I do this or say this? Because this is a holy place. Because when we walk through life with the Spirit, everywhere we go, the Spirit goes with us. Now we'll continue on in Exodus 3, verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. This is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now for us, following along with this story, this sounds incredible. (laughs) The Jewish people have been crying out for salvation for decades, and Moses himself has witnessed the horrible treatment that the Egyptians have shown his people. He was so angry about the trials his people were facing that he lashed out and killed an Egyptian. So to be the one to be called to lead his people from a talking bush, it sounds like a miraculous answer to prayer. The God of Moses' people has appeared to you in the form of a burning bush and has assigned you with the task that your people have been groaning for for decades. Come on, the bush is talking, Moses. But it is here that we see Moses' first of five excuses. And as a reader, these excuses frustrate. We have seen what the people have suffered, and God is offering a solution. But I do believe we make the same excuses too. So today, as we go into this next passage of Scripture, we're going to look at three of Moses' excuses. The first one in chapter three, verse 11, we'll read it. Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now, I wanna sum up all of these excuses simply for us. And this first excuse is simply put. He says, who am I or or why me? (laughs) I think it's kind of funny. Can you imagine saying to a talking bush, sorry, you must have the wrong guy. Again, the bush is talking, Moses. 
I will say right now, I hope if a bush speaks to me, I will believe what it has to say. (laughs) But we are all subject to the same lie that Moses told himself, that you have to be someone special or gifted or exalted to answer God's call. We think we need to be good enough or gifted or strong enough to answer the call of God. But I have some bad news for some of us that are watching today. We are not good enough. We cannot do the work of the kingdom alone. And maybe you need to hear this too. I am not better than you. Pastor Jim or Pastor Troy, they are not better than you. We are all equally unable to do the things that we're called to do. Keyword, when we are alone. To accomplish what we are called to do, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, his will done in Abbotsford as it is in heaven, his will done in Canada as it is in heaven, his will done to the ends of the earth as it is in heaven, we cannot do alone because we aren't good enough. But thankfully, the one who calls us also goes with us and he is good enough. Now, as we look through these excuses, God responds to each one of them. And God's response to Moses' first excuse says, he says something simply put, it doesn't matter who you are because I am with you. This excuse doesn't work because it isn't us who does the work, but the spirit of God who goes with us. It doesn't matter if you are someone who is capable, gifted, or a strong leader. For us to answer the call of God, we cannot go alone. Now let's look at the second excuse in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, What is his name? What should I say to them? Let's summarize this one. Moses is asking, Who are you? This next excuse is very crucial for us to understand, and I don't want us to miss it. The reason Moses is giving this excuse is because he felt a lack of intimacy. He didn't know God well enough to describe him to the people and lacked conviction concerning his relationship with God. Moses is admitting to God that he doesn't know him well enough. I don't know about you, if you've ever tried explaining something that you don't know anything about. When I was a kid, I did this all the time. I was such a know-it-all. And I remember distinctly one time my mom came to me and she said, you need to stop talking out your butt. (laughs) I guess that stuck with me. But people can tell when we try to speak about things that we know nothing about. We cannot speak confidently about something we do not know. And Moses didn't know God well enough to describe him to the people. How often is this our excuse? God, I don't know if I know you well enough to tell people about you. But God's response to Moses, guess what? God tells him who he is. This is where where we read God say, I am the I am, meaning he is ever present. He is everything we need. He is the answer to every prayer. He is the complete package. But the excuse doesn't work because the answer is so simple. When we ask who he is, he will tell us. You just have to seek him. Finally, our third excuse. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, 
but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, if we'll summarize this final excuse, I think it's simply put that Moses is saying, I'm not good enough. Now, it's quite widely accepted that Moses had a speech impediment of some kind. Uh, although we read in Acts 7.22, Stephen, in his sermon, explains that Moses was mighty in his words. Now, I wanted to understand this a little better, and some people would argue that Moses didn't have a speech problem at all. He was actually just parading a false humility and denying a gift that God had given him. But here's what I believe. I believe Moses did have a speech problem or a stutter of some kind, but, Mo but God worked through his inability. The content of his speech mattered more than his eloquence. The reason Moses is spoken of being mighty of his words was not due to his speaking ability. He wasn't great with his words, but it was the one who spoke through him. Because this is what God has to say about our inability. He says it clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 to 10. He says, my grace is all you need because my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. This is Paul speaking. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God says his power works best in weakness. Maybe it's time that we start saying, I'm glad to have a stutter. I'm glad to go through troubled times. I'm glad to face persecution and hardships. I am glad about my inabilities because his power works best in my weakness. Because despite my inability, great things can be accomplished because he is a good God that works through broken people. Now, you might be sitting watching today thinking to yourself, Noah, I don't know what God is calling me to. The bush isn't talking to me. Actually, there is no bush. There isn't a voice. I don't even think there's a whisper. Maybe you've been too busy giving excuses that his voice has slowly become more and more faint. Maybe this is an encouragement for you today that we aren't all called to lead a nation like Moses. What if God is calling us to something maybe a little simpler? Maybe you're being called to love your neighbor. Maybe God is asking you to be more generous. Maybe you're being called to love someone who's experienced great loss or people who are in deep need of love. Maybe you're being called to serve the next generation or being called to pursue Jesus more in the quiet moments and you keep making excuses. Now, we're no different than Moses. We see him denying the clear, verbally spoken calling. And as readers and listeners, thousands of years later, we say, what was wrong with him? <laughs> it's so obvious. God spoke so clearly. But God is calling each and every one of us to something. We just keep making the same excuses. So now we're going to move into a, a, a quick moment of response. Um, I would love to encourage you to reflect on this, the question that'll be on the screen. Let the Spirit reveal to you the areas in your life that you have neglected to respond to the call of God because of your excuses. 
I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for each individual that is tuning in right now. Would they be reminded that they are on holy ground? Not because their bedroom or living room or where they're on their smartphones is anything special, but it's because your spirit is present with them. Jesus, would they know that you are ever present and ever working? And would they have this, take this moment, not let it pass to see what your spirit has to say to them? Would they remove the excuses and the obstacles to hear what your spirit is doing and calling them to? And would they take this moment and hear your voice? Amen. I want to close with a a story today. A pastor once told a a really quite a profound story, and I think it's going to bring us to a close. He recounts a moment when he was on a flight returning from a guest speaking engagement. And at one point during the flight, he notices a man in the row next to him reading scripture. And he observes this man and notices that throughout the flight at different moments, this man is brought to tears reading the word of God. And the pastor observing begins to silently judge this man. This isn't the place for this. What are the people next to him going to think? And he also began to make excuses to himself. Why should I have to read my Bible on the plane? I read it all the time. I just preached the word of God to hundreds of people. Now's my time to watch a movie on the in-flight entertainment. Later on, the pastor was reflecting on this experience and he felt incredibly ashamed of himself. Why wouldn't I spend my five-hour flight seeking the Spirit. He had made excuses and he judged the man who decided to dedicate his time to pursue what God had for him. My challenge for you, CLCC, is to not make excuses when it comes to your pursuit of the Spirit. Ask him to speak. Be bold in your pursuit of what he has for you. Let's, Let's close with our doxology today. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Have an excellent week and don't make excuses. We love you.